All right, this is the Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! We have a fantastic guest, Amber Rubarth. Is that right? It is. <laughs> Amber Rubarth, you are one of the co-creators of uh, hold the on, Paper Raincoat. Right That's right, the Paper Raincoat, which is being premiered uh, by courtesy of um, Play Cafe, Musical Cafe. Mm-hmm. It's playing at the Bay Area Children's Theater, Osher Studios in Berkeley, California. And that will be June the 1st today. Which is tonight, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and tomorrow. So tomorrow at uh, six o'clock. Six o'clock. All righty, and uh, I will post this, um, you know, in time for people to, if you know, if, if no one's doing anything tonight, to come see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amber, how are you? I am doing great. I'm so happy <laughs> to be here. Well, uh, thank you, thank you. And uh, we, I thought we were going to have someone else, uh, one of your um, co-writers, to join us, but. I imagine you guys are setting up for tonight's show. They've been show. workshopping all week. So. Yeah. yeah. We've been deep in rehearsals, and we just found out this morning that our keyboard wasn't working, so we, he's, he's dealing with that at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I totally hear you. There are all sorts of technical things that, you know, you think are going to go okay, and then it was like, ugh. Yeah. But, um, no, it's exciting, and you were telling us that this is your first time uh, writing a musical mm-hmm. or collaborating with something like that. So it's wonderful that... It sounds like it's gotten a lot of momentum, and you're ri- you're actually from uh, ten- well, you're coming from Tennessee, right? Yeah, I live in Nashville now. Right on, that's Ooh. fantastic. And we'll talk more. Uh, but as I begin our every podcast, how's your week? This has been the the quiet week, mm-hmm. which is kind of wild because I'm trying to catch up. Eugene O'Neill next week, as you like, it starts rehearsals like Tuesday. Cool. Um, next week. No, week after that, um, I start doing my summer intensive, Eugene O'Neill, which is 10 days, um, all day, like uh, mm-hmm. 8.30 to 3.30. Yeah, and this is at the barn, the right? High school at the barn, at the yeah. Eugene O'Neill bar- barn, in the yeah. Dow House in Danville. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to make sure that everything's in place on that, and we had one of our key people, the site person, um, she had some leg problems. She went to the doctor, and now she's on bed rest until oh. at least June 7th. And I'm like, oh, well, you might be back on your feet when I need you, but you might not be. I'm so just trying to juggle. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, same here as well. Um, oh, that's I, right. You open tonight. <laughs> open tonight. So women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. We'll talk about that. And uh, that we had Dawn Monique Williams on last week, and she talked about directing the piece. And now the piece, we had two wonderful pre- um pre-shows, mm-hmm. uh, fantastic audience. That's mm-hmm. one thing Town Hall Theater does really Previous. well. Previews. That's what I meant. Um, they had they, they do a wonderful job bringing in audiences, right. and uh, we have fantastic audiences, and we're just having great uh, performances. And now tonight is opening night. So yeah. And you very cool. Huh? You run how long? We run until June the 22nd. Ah, so okay. I think three weeks. Three weeks. Three yeah. Weeks. 16 shows. Zip. Wow. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so that's cool. Also, I was recruited. I thought I was going to have a very relaxing and uneventful Memorial Day. And, of mm-hmm. course, I had enjoyed some of that with you. Which was great. I forgot to even mention that. We we had a little barbecue, so mm-hmm. very much a last-minute thing, and had maybe half a dozen folks show up. Yeah. It was nice little turnout. And mm-hmm. we were chasing the sun because, you know, it's typical Bay Area weather. The sun is out, but it's cold. And so we kept moving the table to find the sun, and we finally found the last little spot in the yard. Mm-hmm. And that was when the food came out, so it was perfect. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. But in the morning, I got a phone call from Craig Souza, who uh, has been on the program before. 
saying, hey, I'm doing this Twilight Zone thing, and we're looking for writers and a director because somebody dropped out. I was like, sure, why not? And so the minute you jump into something like that, and then mm-hmm. you got to get into a production mode and recruiting and, you know, getting out. Oh, and you're talking and to Craig. Dickerson. That's right. Craig Dickerson will be in it. Um, uh-huh. An old friend of mine, Blant, Brower, Brant Blower. I haven't been on stage with him since 2001, uh-huh. where we did um, The Marriage of Bet and Boo. Uh-huh. And that was, I mean, that literally our first rehearsal was September 11th, 2001. Uh-huh. Uh, but we've, we've hung out, and he's a musician as well. He's mm-hmm. a fantastic guitarist. Right. And he's been dying to get back on stage. And I was like, hey, man, come on. Let's do it. Yay. <laughs> But I am looking for a lead actress, hopefully by the time... Um, any age, any ethnicity? Well, um, a young actress. It, okay. it, ethnicity doesn't matter at all. Okay. Uh, but a young actress. So if you're interested, uh, please hit me up on Facebook and uh, we'll talk. Immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Current events, unfortunately, yet another shooting. Um, right. It, it just doesn't end, does it? It's just... I don't know what to say. But now we have people in Congress who are speaking out in a more forceful way. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to respond. I saw one of those, and I said, thank you for speaking out. I think you should start numbering these because mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to have to keep counting for before anything gets done. But, you know, how lo- how many have to die before we do something? Yeah, it's very, very sad. And another element are disgruntled workers. I mean, I think this may be the right. second or third time where someone, I guess, got really pissed off. And decided to just take their anger mm-hmm. on someone. And I mean, I've, I mean, this week, not to, I'm not going to mention any names, but even in my office, I think, you know, one person got into an argument with another person. There wasn't any loud yelling or whatever, but, um, <clears throat> you know, you don't have a good day. Of course, you, right. you, I don't think you've ever, have you, you've never worked in an office, have you? Yeah, yeah, long, long time ago, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I understand why, you know, people are like, I don't want to ever be in an office ever again because, you know, you're forced to just to work with people and sometimes it doesn't work out and you get things like this and you don't know what people will do when they're really, really angry. Well, I would think the corporate culture is yeah. a big part of it. The way it has shifted towards this sort of gig economy thing mm-hmm. um, means that we're all feeling a little less secure in what we're doing. Yeah. And suddenly you find yourself asking, do I want to put up with the least little, you sure. know, every little irritation sure. is – you know, when you got a pension on the other side of that, it's a little easier to go, okay, I'm just going to stuff this. Right. But well, when you have no hope of, mm-hmm. you know, even knowing if this job is going to last. Yeah. Amber, do you have a day job? or? No, I don't. I, I mean, I do music full-time as a living Oh, singer. that's fantastic. Yeah, so I feel very lucky for that. <laughs> no, no, no. You're very lucky, very fortunate. You know, I think yeah. that's the, uh, the Shangri-La of all artists where we can just do our craft mm-hmm. and yeah. be paid for it and not have to worry about you know, the corporate world. Yeah. So, so but I think a lot of these tensions that are bubbling up, including this whole Trump yes. know, world. Yes. Um, and it's funny. I keep I keep waiting for people to attack me, and it happens every now and then, because I'm like, you got to think about, even if we change things in a direction that we want them to change, there's a whole other group of people. That's right. And they're going to be affected by this. Mm-hmm. And you can say it's to their good. But you really need to convince them. You really need to put some energy into mm-hmm. it and, and sincerely find, listen to them and find out what they need because what they knew was they weren't being satisfied by any of the other choices, mm-hmm. and that's how we ended up here. Yeah. You can't keep offering the same crap you were offering before and expect that just because Trump is horrible to mm-hmm. some of us yeah. means that the whole country is suddenly going to turn around. It's not going to happen. Now, Amber, here's a question for you because you've seen sort of both worlds. You're actually from California. But now you're living in Nashville, Tennessee. So, you know, California, I mean, you know, we're surrounded by liberals. You know, it's very insulated and protected. And mm-hmm. one person was saying, wow, you know, as a woman, 
I can have an abortion here, you know, and Gavin Newsom has po- uh, right. pointed out, hey, you know, women, if you want to have an abortion, come to California. Come to California. Now you're in Nashville, and I imagine you know, they're a lot more conservative. Yeah, well, Nashville itself is actually very uh, progressive. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but it's kind of the little space in Tennessee as sure. a larger whole. Sure. Which is, so it's it's a funny, you know, it's kind of, I guess, similar as what Austin would be to Texas. You right. Know, where it's just completely sort of the opposite of what the rest of the state is. Yeah, I have friends of mine who are in Austin, which is very liberal, surrounded mm-hmm. by you know, conservative yeah. in a red state. It's an interesting mix. You know, I think w- my world and the people that I interact with are, mm-hmm. uh, it's not that much different than living in New York or California for me. Interesting. But um, but you get out of that little b- bubble and mm-hmm. it, it you're like, oh, wow, this is a, you mm. know, we're in the South and right. there's a lot of history here and there's a lot of people who haven't moved past all of that and mm-hmm. and it, it feels different. Yeah. You haven't had any confrontations regarding that, have you? I mean, no. meeting people. No. Okay. No. Well, that's good. I mean, I travel so much also, and, you know, when I'm in Nashville, I usually am just working, and mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm like. I'm just going to adjust your mic. Just oh, yeah. Is that better there? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't had confrontations, but it's definitely, you know, the abortion thing is, is very hot right now. Mm. It is. Minute, and it's. Um, I just actually saw this woman, Amanda Palmer. I don't know if either of you are p- familiar with her, but she's mm-hmm. she's really interesting. She's a mu- she's known as a musician, but she just wrote a book, and mm-hmm. she she is really kind of outspoken on everything. And she did a concert at the Ryman Theater, which is like the mother church of Nashville. You know, it's oh, like the whoa. sacred oh, wow. place, the, the mm. kind of the venue that mm-hmm. you know everyone from Hank Williams and Johnny Cash and like a, mega, mm. it's like a mega church, right? It's a, yeah, I mean, well, it's a it's just a music venue now. Okay, um, but she did a, a concert there and her show happened to be on abortion and it happened to be the day after Ooh. after all of these things uh-huh. went through or after Alabama. Yeah. But um, it, it's interesting to see how people respond because, you know, it is a mixed – as soon as you get half an hour outside of Nashville, it mm-hmm. can be completely different. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It reminds me so much, you know, being a musician um, in Nashville. I remember um, th- there's a wonderful documentary, History of Rock and Roll, and it talked about stacks. And stacks, you know, you have muscle. I think it's Muscle Shoals. Muscle Shoals, yeah. Is it Tennessee or Alabama? I can't remember yeah, what state. Yeah, it's Alabama. Yeah, it's and Alabama. Stacks is in Memphis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, they were talking about um, Wilson Pickett would sing mm. both at Stacks and also mm. I think it's Fame Studios and Muscle yeah. Shoals. Mm. In any case, when King was assassinated, because a lot of the white um, musicians worked perfectly well with the, you know the black singers and the black right. musicians. You know, there was very Yes, there was a lot of crazy things happening around them, but they were a cohesive group, and mm-hmm. they produced wonderful music. But the minute King was assassinated, that's what, it was like a plate dropping, and the right. black musicians did not want to work with the you know white musicians before. It's like a, a real-world issue happens, right. and it sort of disrupts the fabric. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it reminds me, some, I mean, what if, what's happening now reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so there are other things. I'll just go down my little list. Uh, Facebook creating its own currency. I don't know if you heard about this. No, uh, mm-hmm. Vaguely. I didn't really hear it. <laughs> I don't know all the details, but there's a cryptocurrency thing going on where companies think, that, well, you know, we can create our own. It's like, like monopoly money. Sure. But, you know, they're trying to, well, you know, Bitcoin can create a currency. Then we're going to create a currency. Right. I don't know if it's good or bad or uh, it's – we'll find out. It's the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I love I, – what I love, what I've always loved about the whole cryptocurrency notion mm-hmm. is basically let's get out of this really outdated idea of mm-hmm. – tr- you. there was trade and barter 
And then suddenly we got into the world, the realm of money, the era of money. And then money started playing its own games. I, I heard somebody do a call a call-in show the other day saying, we should go back on the gold standard. And the host had to go, look, dude, are you going to carry around a exactly. bunch of gold um, bullion? Yeah. Is that, is that what you you're You sound like Ron about? Paul, yeah. You know, it's just ridiculous. It's, mm-hmm. We're not going back to that. And that is, that's antiquated. We really should move on. Mm-hmm. But how do we move on? Well, yeah. we're, we're going to see. I do wonder if it's an issue. I mean, um, it's – well, for one, I don't really carry any real money anymore. Uh, I mean, uh-huh. um, like a $20 bill, $50 bill. You know, mm-hmm. I, my parents would always say, you got to carry some money around. My mother would always be on about that. Mm-hmm. But now it's all the card or, you know, right. Apple Pay and, and all of that sort of stuff. Do you carry any money, Amber? I mean, physical I mean, money? Right now, today, I have some because I played a show last <laughs> night. Yeah. So I people bought CDs. Where? Where? So oh, all right on. <laughs> I played up at, um, in Nevada. Uh-huh. Place called Hot Monk Tavern in oh, Nevada. Oh, yeah, nice. it's a great little listening room. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, but normally cash, no, yeah. normally yeah. no. Yeah, see. But and yeah, the right. one thing about cash versus well, and it's just such a strange world right now. But mm-hmm. but like, you know, things can happen digitally. You know, right. what, that right. that they all can. of a sudden, which if you were on the gold standard, you know, then it's like a little bit different. But right, right. But it's it is really an interesting yeah. time. Yeah, it's all about trust, and I guess mm-hmm. that you know money. No matter what money is, is all about trust. You know, if you can trust that that dollar bill is worth something, then right. it is yeah. worth something. Perception yeah. begets reality. And so uh, if a Facebook dollar, you know, if enough people believe in it, then it becomes yeah. valuable. Then it'll be something. Yeah. So. Definitely. <coughs> it's funny you mentioned uh, the money because um, the other thing that came up was the Harriet Tubman. Oh, yes. Yes. They, they said, oh, the Treasury said, yeah, we're not going to get to that I saw that right hearing. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was horrible. But expected. Well, uh, totally expected. And I was already planning on buying the little that you can buy a Harriet Tubman stamp. The little stamp. Put it over and, but uh, I Andrew looked Jackson. At, yeah. I looked the other day, and, yeah, they're sold out right now. Yeah, I imagine so. And I didn't so. sign up to to be alerted, but I'm realizing I need to. I was think, talking about it this morning, I was mm-hmm. like, I should go ahead and just give them my information because I really want to know when that comes. I swear I will take every pile of 20s I've got. Yeah. And I will stamp them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, you heard about this, the woman who uh, was lost in Hawaii for 17 days yeah, in a forest. just a little, yeah. And she survived. And so, you know, her story is percolating. So it's it's a good story. Uh, I think she was just uh, camping and walking around, and she got lost. And, and uh, fractured an ankle or not yeah, an ankle, Yeah, I think she something. fell. Yeah, yeah I think she, she fell. fell and, uh, was oh, and slept in a boar's den. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily she survived. I mean, and right. she's she's a young woman, so it's right. it's good to hear those those stories. <laughs> um, oh, boy, here we go again. A woman points a gun at a black couple for camping in Mississippi. Yes. Did you hear about this? Yeah, and she lost her job. Yep. Well, you know, she lost her job, but you know who the owner is? The owner is her husband. Right. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, you're, you're I think, <laughs> but that was a smart move on his part, and who knows what's going to happen ultimately. But yeah. just the fact that people now realize we don't have to stop and have a discussion about this. Like, here's the evidence: this happened. Yeah. Do uh, something. Yeah. That's not where the conversation starts. That's where we talk about what we're going to do about yeah. it. Yeah. And I saw the video. It's an older white woman yeah. who I guess believes, hey, you know, you need a permit to camp to you know to sit out and do a picnic. I'm like, wait a minute, you Which know, you don't. It's crazy. A reservation, you know. she said. They should have had a reservation. Yeah, and uh, the I guess the who runs the camp? It's it's uh, camp camps for America. Yeah, but it's spelled K. Yeah, and uh, oh no, you can see them all K O A. Yeah, you can see it all over. Yeah, camps for America. 
But in any case, yeah, that and uh, we talked about the Virginia Beach shooting. Uh, Amber, uh, just one question that I ask everyone. How are you, how are you handling the age of Trump? I mean, uh, what is your overall assessment? Are you positive about the 2020 elections? Are you, are enjoy, you, are you enjoying the age of Trump? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if anybody is enjoying it. I mean, I guess some people are, but um, I think – it's such a complex thing. You know, I think it's surfacing a lot of issues that need to be surfaced right. because mm-hmm. people are uh, are feeling very um, passionate about whatever side they're on. And yeah. so I think that, like, whereas, you know, maybe five years ago people were a little quieter about what they believed, I think yeah. that it's definitely brought up some issues and it's really mm-hmm. uh, encouraged people to be more outspoken with what they, you know, what we all think about things. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that there, it's like just uh, terribly angry, you know, I think there's a lot of energy that's going into anger and it's it's right now just how our world is created, it's so divided yeah. and, and it's really easy to stay within our own belief systems and just create more polarization between the two sides and uh, um, yeah, you know, I've this, these last few weeks for some reason I've been kind of obsessed with, I was reading something about the color wheel and about complementary colors and like oh. purple oh, and yellow, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, are like purple actually, if you put yellow against purple, it actually right. makes both colors look better. Right. And yeah. I was thinking about that at like just the word complementary and mm. opposites and like, like complementary is opposite. Yeah. And like, right. why don't we think of that more in our country like that? Like, why don't we, why don't we, instead of pushing against the opposite and saying you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, right. like trying to figure out, well, how does it bring out the, the essence of each of us. Instead of yeah, for that, that's a wonderful concept. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about because the prime. What are the prime colors? Is red, red blue, red, yellow, yellow, blue, red, yeah. and yellow. Mm-hmm. And when you think about red states, blue states, the prime colors, and no mm-hmm. one wanting to mix the two. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fascinating concept, and you're absolutely right. And a lot, of, you know, a lot of people think of politics as more of a us versus them, like Auburn versus Alabama, mm-hmm. yeah. or you know, like us versus them. We can't let them win. Regardless of what the issues are, mm-hmm. I mean, like abortion. I mean, if a 16-year-old girl, it, and it's fascinating, a 16-year-old. Let's say there are two 16-year-old girls. One's in California. Right. One's in Tennessee. Right, Alabama. But or Alabama, or yeah, yeah, or I mean, that, it's that it's just increasing. Yeah. But one is freer than the other because one can easily get an abortion and one right. can't. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. And that's not America. That's not. You know, it's not what it's not what freedom is all about. Well, like you said, there are co- there are underlying issues that have been, and it's it's part of American history. They've been kicked down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, the Civil mm-hmm. War, what percolates for a couple of decades, That's over right. a decade, and each presidential candidate sort of positions themselves mm-hmm. around it up until that point. And then we finally get to Lincoln, and even he tried to position himself around it. Mm-hmm. But the South just was ready. They they had already labeled him the way they label Bernie now. Sure. You know, it's like this man has been part of Congress forever, mm-hmm. um, Senate forever. Yeah. Um, he plays by the rules. He does what they do. For you to suddenly talk about him being a wild-eyed communist is a little – it's not even naive. It's disingenuous. It's ridiculous. Um, and that's what was happening. The South was saying, Lincoln's going to do all this stuff. And Lincoln was thinking, dude, I, too, want to just get in and kick the can down the road. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, mm-hmm. he really was, you look at the way he was positioning himself, yeah. he wasn't trying to make this happen. We, mm-hmm. the people, want these things dealt with. Yeah. And we're tired of politicians who just want to find some way to dodge around it. 
Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Lincoln. You know, even before he became president, when he was running for the Senate in Illinois, mm-hmm. he had these speeches with Stephen Douglas, mm-hmm. the great House Divided speech. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, listen, no matter what we decide, whether you know, want slavery or you want freedom, we have we cannot be divided. We have to find a compromise. We have to. And it's the same right here in 2019. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's no compromise with slavery. I mean, you know, slavery is wrong. But well, and some people would say there's no compromise with abortion. Yeah. And the thing is, I think we can agree on some things like if right. we can find a scientific definition of when life begins, then mm. we can have this discussion about sure. when is when are you doing yeah. something that could be called murder and yeah. when are you just dealing with a situation that – you don't want to turn into yeah. murder. Well, I'll be even a more fundamental question is, can you force a woman to have a child if they did not choose to be pregnant? Right, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, right. That's the, that's one of the scary things right now with what's passing is that there's like no, um, like that that the, ch- the woman would have to have so much more, um, it would be so much worse for them than the person who raped them, for right. instance. Right. You know, right. Like that, like right. that. When you compare, you know, and, mm-hmm. and those things are coming up all the time, where it's like, yeah, the person who raped this woman would get ten years in prison, and right. the, you know, this woman, if she decided to have an abortion, would have ninety nine years. Or the doctor, right. yeah, like, it's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. You know, so, but but I think that is one of the things where it's like people have these beliefs and they hold on to them, but until we start really talking to each other and start looking at all the different right. perspectives of it, then mm-hmm. we're not going to really move forward. You know, mm-hmm. that's exactly right. The conversations is important, even if it's difficult. I once there was a lady I was dating, and she was like, "Oh, you know, wh- when I'm when I bring you to my friends, let's not talk about these things." And I'm like, "Why not? I mean, you know, mm. because they may not like it. You know, it's just very uncomfortable. It's like sometimes those are the best conversations. I, uh, I you think know. uncomfortable <laughs> is where it's at right now. <laughs> right. Like well, we talked about it last week. I, yeah. I went to visit my family. I saw my mother and my brother. And I walked into his place, and he's got a big commemorative clock on the wall for the inauguration, 2017 inauguration. And I'm just staring at that thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to say anything, and he didn't. But then somebody else walked in, and, oh, you're from Northern California. Are you conservative or liberal? And I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Was not trying to have this conversation. But you know what? I think family is actually one of the places right now where we do get to see, talk, talk and, you know, have compassion for people on the other side because mm-hmm. we're forced to. And there's yeah. not a right. lot of areas in life that we're forced to. I mean, it's sure. so easy to just mm-hmm. surround ourselves with people we agree with. And I think family is like one of the last things right now yeah. that we're really. I think about the Cheneys. You know, the Cheneys, I'm sure, you know, are ultra conservative until they find out their daughter's gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Exactly. And it's like, oh, well, I guess we got to talk yeah. about this. Yeah. It's a shame it has happen. to be that way, but well, it is what it is. The funny thing is, like, my brother and I were not trying to push towards that conversation. And like you said, I can't – and we talk about it – I talk about it a lot when I'm doing playwriting uh, classes. If the character is somebody that we don't care about, then you blow them away, and it's an action movie, and you just move on. But when that character is your best friend or your brother, mm-hmm. <laughs> your father, you know, Star Wars – <clears throat> you're not so quick to just blow them away. Suddenly, a conversation has to happen. Yeah. yeah. And with that, let's segue into Amber Rubarth, uh, one of the co-writers of The Paper Raincoat. Um, so we'll talk about The Paper Raincoat, but I'd like to hear about you. Uh, tell us an origin story. Uh, you are a, a, um, you're a musician, and you are, a, um, I guess, a playwright, a musical playwright. 
Um, anything well, else? Do you act? Have you acted? You know, uh, it's a funny question. I just acted for the first time. We, we made a movie that came out last year. Awesome. Um, it's on Hulu now. It's called American Folk. And okay. uh, I got asked to do – so I've never acted – I've before that, I uh-huh. I actually grew up without a TV and like am the wow. furthest away from you know I never dreamt of being an actor I never auditioned for anything, uh-huh. um, and then there was this film that was written um, by a guy named David Hines in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. he wanted the the story has a lot of music in it and it's really kind of built around the music of mm-hmm. of it um, and he wanted two musicians to be the full you know the mm-hmm. the actors for the movie so yeah. uh, I got asked to, to audition for that and got the part and it was myself and um, Joe Purdy was the other yeah the other actor so we we'll, do, we'll do a link American Folk yeah it's AmericanFolkMovie.com mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's on Hulu and Amazon mm. now and wow that's fantastic but that's the first that was the first um, thing ever that I'd done that was kind of in that realm of mm-hmm. you know adding story and music together rather mm-hmm. than just doing music and I really really loved it and um, we had already started writing the paper raincoat. Uh, Alex and I had started it as a band first, and then about five years ago, we brought in Devin Copley, our mm-hmm. other our other collaborator, and we started really turning it into a mm-hmm. musical. Um, but I, that whole world of of writing music that supports a story and really getting into the characters mm-hmm. and really getting into you know it's it's such a bigger collaboration and you really have to let go a lot more and it's a lot more complex like that stuff is just lighting me up right now i I love that process i love the collaborativeness of it fantastic Um, yeah well Um, i got to do a workshop with the piece mm -hmm. when yeah you know earlier in the year and and it was fascinating to watch the three of you because you were so excited to be hearing it out loud and like Mm. we're going yeah you you wrote this (laughs) Why is this such a surprise to you? Well, it's, it's so different having it on the page and in your brain and then having people like you who are actors who bring, you know, bring a real um, heart to it. And you mm-hmm. really, you, you like make the characters alive. Mm-hmm. And it just, for us, it was, it was so valuable to, uh, to have that. And well, it was easy to, to see about you guys would make these quick adjustments because it's like, no, what we're trying to do is this. And it was easy, seemed easy to see where to make the adjustments. Mm. How to make the adjustment is a, a whole other issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. I'd love to hear more about you. Uh, so where did you grow up? I grew up in California, kind of throughout all the little towns that nobody's heard of, mostly. Okay. <laughs> and, like um, where's Northern, Southern? A little or? both. Yeah, I was born in Southern in like Tustin, oh, um, mm-hmm. but then only till a year. And then I guess I was in San Jose for a couple years, and then ar- all the little towns around Sacramento for a while. Oh, like. Uh-huh. Antelope and Granite Bay. And oh, wow. Yeah, Do you have siblings? I have a brother, yeah, an older brother. Okay. Yeah. Uh, were you, uh, it sounds like, I'll guess you were introduced to music at an early age, did you? Yeah, you know, not really. I played piano when I was a kid just by ear, mm-hmm. um, and then I didn't actually start music really until I was 21. And I picked up a guitar and started doing open mics and writing songs. And nice. I had written I'd written three songs when I was like Fourteen or fifteen, just because I was terrible at talking to people, and <laughs> I needed to like somehow yeah. get these feelings out. But besides that, I really started pretty late. Actually. Yeah, is your style? I'm um, thinking like Joan Baez or um, that sort of. Yeah, I mean Fiona it's, Apple. Yeah, it's it's definitely more songwriter like that. You know, it's definitely more. Mm-hmm. I, I I like writing for different things. So I wrote some songs for this film, American Folk, and I've oh, written nice. for some other films now, mm-hmm. and. 
Um, and then, you know, the stuff for the paper raincoat is a little bit more kind of uh, quirky pop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. a, little, a little more. Yeah, and we'll listen to a little bit of it in a few minutes. Did you have any formal training? No. Okay. No. Wow, that's, fa- yeah. that's fantastic. I'm always cons- I'm always con- I'm fascinated by the collaboration. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. my dad was a musician. Um, well, he's a, he's more of a singer, but he collaborated with musicians, and it's always hard getting good musicians together and keeping them together. Um, mm-hmm. Has it been hard collaborating or just finding? Because let's say you have an idea in your head. And you need to get a bunch of people. And we deal with it in arts as well. Like, right. hey, work on my project. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you got a project going on, but can you work on mine? Right. Sometimes it's like, well, no, I'm, I've got my thing going on. But sometimes it's like, hey, yeah, I'm not doing anything. Let's, right. let's go. Yeah. In the music world, I mean, have you had issues with that? Or Yeah, I mean, it is hard to find collaborators that you feel like you're on the same page with. Yeah. For this one, for the paper raincoat, the three of us somehow just magically work really well together. I think we're cool. all very different. Mm-hmm. And we bring kind of different um, outlooks on how how to approach it, but mm-hmm. but we're we meet each other on some level where it just works really well. Yeah. Um, how did you guys meet? So Devin and Alex were in a band probably like 15 years ago, right. I think, called yeah, the right. Animators. That mm-hmm. was a really great band. Yeah. And, and I this had is Devin Copley and Alex Wong. This is Devin Copley and Alex Wong. Yeah. yeah. So, so they were in this band called The Animators, and I had just started playing music, and mm-hmm. I saw them out in New York on my first tour. It was my first time oh. in New York. Uh-huh. I landed in Buffalo, New York, and uh-huh. saw them at this little place called Nietzsche's, and I was just blown away. Mm-hmm. And I, I, um, we had a few other shows that I was doing um, with them and with another artist, and I just loved their music. I loved what they were doing. It kind of just like opened up my world of, mm. of this is what you can do with music. Their uh-huh. harmonies were really beautiful. Their mm. storytelling was really beautiful. Um, and they ended up producing my first album. Wow. Um, a cu- like maybe a year later or so. Mm-hmm. And um, and then that band broke up. And then Alex and I started a band called The Paper Raincoat, mm-hmm. which was mm-hmm. loosely based on this story that we wrote. You know, we, we right. kind of came up with this story but we didn't really get into all the details but we wrote all of our songs about it and we would share a little bit of the story every once in a while at the shows mm-hmm. um so alex and i were in that band and then we, we both moved on to different things solo and kind of dropped the band and then when the story felt like it still was kind of floating around in the mm-hmm. air and we wanted to still put energy into it so um, the three of us really liked working together, and we'd only done it in pairs, really. Mm-hmm. And we just decided to all get together and, and create this. And it's been a joy. You know, it's really been um, – it, it feels very easy to work with the three of us. It mm-hmm. feels very balanced. It feels like we all bring something different to the mix. Right. Cool. Yeah. Um, how, what is the story of the people in code? I mean, uh, it sounds like it's the story of the band. Uh, no, no, it's not. not it's a all. totally <laughs> fictional story. Yeah. Oh, well, t- tell so, us. To give us a little uh, bit of the plot. Um, so we actually made it up. Alex and I made it up, the very seed of it, through this improv exercise where um, one person lays on the ground with their eyes closed and the other person starts asking questions. And it's like, okay, uh-huh. walk, walk straight and you know, make a left and what do you see? And it's like this rapid fire kind of thing. I think I've played this before. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Like I th- one of our friends told us about it. and I It's think almost it's like a trust a exercise. Yeah, and you get into this rapid flow where you're not thinking about creating anything. You're just responding as fast as you can. Uh-huh. And we got to this, we, we kind of, this, this story emerged of this woman named Grace who was like in her early 30s, and she had a, a dad who was an inventor um, who had 
he was kind of an organic chemist inventor, and he had made this thing called the paper raincoat that was this really special material, but he threw his entire world into it. It was not a good father, was very passionate inventor right. and kind and of neglected. Yeah. yeah, very distracted, you know, didn't really know how to be a father and, um, and threw his whole entire life into this thing, and it never went anywhere, and it mm. kind of broke up the family, and mm-hmm. she was wanting to – she always wanted to be a writer – and, um, you know, they didn't have money for her to go to writing college mm-hmm. anymore. And she ended up, like, at one point just taking her life and saying, I'm not going to do the passionate thing like my father has because it's, it really messed everything up. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to live my life, like, tried and true, like, all the safe, secure things that I can do. So she gets a and job as a technical writer. Right. Yeah, that's where we meet her. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's lived her life this whole way of kind of, like uh, – security and safety mm-hmm. and uh, you know not not stepping out on anything and um and when we meet her her father has just passed away she finds right. out that her father's passed away hmm. and so it's all about kind of like the trauma that happens as a child and how we react to that and then what happens when the person um passes away and mm-hmm. like what how that trauma is released and in in her case she's she finds this old typewriter at her father's house and, and also just sees like the passion of his inventions and she starts writing this story that is um, as if she had taken the other route. So instead of instead of going this like tried and true route, she mm-hmm. takes the other route and she starts writing this um, kind of fantasy story and it blurs the lines between um, you know, what is her life now and, mm-hmm. and kind of gets a little confused Fascinating. and messes everything up. It's almost like a story. Uh, it, it, it's a story about trust, about, you know, yeah. how at one point well, she didn't trust. Well, trust yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's let's play a little bit of the song. We've got it queued up here. There's a song called Sympathetic, Sympathetic Vibrations. vibrations. Yeah. Weirdest title ever. Vibrations, beautiful song. Yeah, I have described it as being very poppy and uh, very, uh, very catchy. I mm-hmm. like it, hey. and that's you singing, right? Yeah, it is. Nice, very, very nice. There's, I want to ask if um, there's still, there's also a wonderful sort of road not taken um, aspect to the story about the tech. Mm-hmm. You know, the the writing that she's doing, the work that she's doing, yeah. and we're pre Google. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so she so works. Yeah, she works at this wonderful. She works at this company. This guy's had this vision mm-hmm. of how to help make everybody make available information for everybody for the masses, and unfortunately, it's a totally different direction than where we know history is going to go. Mm. So, so it's, it's like it's pre-Google. A, yeah, so he has this idea of manual. It's called Manuals Inc. And it's it's that people can ask questions. 
and he'll send a manual of how to do it. So anything right. that you could possibly want to know, he'll like ship you a manual for it. So it's it's mm. basically oh, just what happens before Google. Right. <laughs> takes yeah, over. yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a wonderful energy because of that, because we as the audience know this world mm. to look at the, oh, my God, somebody might have tried to do something different is, is kind of exciting. And that same sort of creative, passionate impulse is there. Mm-hmm. You feel yeah. it. His song is <laughs> it's goofy, but you feel the sincerity of this man wanting to make society better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which is also, I know we were talking about this a little earlier, but about like security and jobs and that now, mm-hmm. you know, the things that people have poured themselves into with this idea that it was going to be secure, like all of that all of a sudden is kind of going away. And it's kinda right. Yeah, I, I talked about, I think maybe it was during Memorial Day where I talked about, it. I, I worked, I think I was 25 and I worked uh, and I had an office buddy. I was working for the Corporation for National Service and an office buddy was like 60, 65 years old. He had worked for IBM right. for oh like right. 20, 30 right. years and he thought that he would have a pension and he would have a job forever, big blue. And he was let go mm-hmm. and I guess he didn't save enough or whatever, but you know, he clearly thought that he was ahead of the curve and he was comfortable and secure. And all of a sudden, it's it ripped away because he couldn't see the future. Right. Yeah. Or IBM couldn't see the future. Yeah. Yeah. So it reminds me a little bit of that. Yeah. Well, it's just neat to me because it's and I, you know, it's sort of a core artistic thing. Do you follow your passion? Mm-hmm. Do you trust that you can make that work, or do you play it safe? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, we obviously we make choices in that direction. But, yeah. Um, but other people don't. Most of my family has not made those choices at all. And I look at my younger brother and I'm like, dude, you must be thinking. And I actually said it last time I saw him. You must be thinking about retirement. And he looked at me like I was nuts. Well, his wife is older, so she just retired. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so she's sort of adjusting to what it is to be a retired person. He hasn't even thought about it, really. He's just put his head down and been working hard for, you know, over 30 years. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah, and and unfortunately, you know, thinking about playing it safe, sometimes you are forced to make a change. You know, you want to be Mm -hmm. comfortable until, I mean, I think about the evolution of man, you know, like Australopithecus. Uh You know, the animal that, you know, had to leave the trees to feed themselves and they have to stand on two legs. I mean, that's what evolution is all about. So sometimes you can have a job for 20, 30 years. Let's say you're a television (laughs) repairman. All of a sudden, televisions are now flat screens and Mm -hmm. they're disposable goods. (laughs) You you have to make a change. You don't have a choice anymore. But getting back to the paper raincoat, how did you get in contact with the musical cafe? What... um, you know, that's a good question. I think at the very – so we did a 20-minute reading with them a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I think it was maybe something that we had submitted for. So we've we've kind of built this on, you know, we'll submit for something and then be like, oh, gosh, we need to have 20 minutes. And right. so then we'll finish 20 minutes sure, to do sure, it in just sure. in time. So we did that with them. That was one of the very first things that we did. Yeah. And um, then they invited us back to do this reading that, Norman, that you were – yeah and um it and that was two workshops where we got to um work with actors and do a full read through and and we didn't we didn't do the music on that stuff we kind of just played the music that we had but it was so valuable just working with people and it was the first time really having the the everything come off the page and we were still scrambling to finish writing it also yeah yeah like december and january Mm -hmm. right so we did those yeah yeah, it's a fantastic venue in the Musical Cafe run by Richard Jennings and Jerome mm-hmm. Gentes, who do a fantastic job bringing in actors and, and collaborating with, you know, like groups like you. 
to it, it and not only helps musical cafe because you bring in different people right. and it amplifies them because now you know a company coming from Nashville that amplifies them and it amplifies you guys as well because yeah. you have an audience that's listening to your stuff for the first time well yeah. in, in a different field right yeah. yeah yeah it's felt so lucky to it's, it's been really um, wonderful for us to be able to work with them because mm-hmm. it's uh, I can't say how much we've learned in the last six months just through doing this process. Yeah. So, I'm curious. You know, you mentioned. Yeah, I guess it's the rec- the creative process. You mentioned an acting exercise, which led you to the creation of the storyline. Yeah. And that's a very theatrical thing. I wouldn't think that a musician would would have a creative thing like that. Well, you know, it's funny. The reason, the only reason we did it was one of our friends who was a musician was taking an improv class in New York and she ah. told us about this exercise and we were like, oh, that sounds fun. It'd be maybe mm-hmm. fun to write, to do for like a songwriting yeah. thing or something. Uh-huh. Uh, just the idea of not having to create something and instead just getting in this kind of free flow, mm-hmm. like stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very cool. Have you heard about this, that exercise where one, person's, one person is blind, the other person is instructing the person here. Here's where you go. Uh-huh. Without leading, they have to. It's basically just a, a game of trust. Uh-huh. Uh-uh, no, no, you never heard of it. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's wonderful how theater. And you know, we've had uh, several guests who were primarily either musicians or singers who have dived into the theater. Um, I guess community either to expand their careers because they couldn't, you know, just be into music or whatever. Or because it just expanded themselves. I mean, they yeah. the creative process was just you know uh, greater. And it sounds like you've dived into that as well. Yeah. 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 It's so fascinating. I mean, it's really it it feels like just adding an entire another dimension to mm-hmm. you know what you can do with an album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Where do you think um, the uh, paper raincoat will go after this? Um, ha- <coughs> are you connecting with other? Um, Producers, do you want it to? I mean, it sounds like this is the this is the trajectory to going off Broadway or Broadway. Yeah, ultimately, we'd love to do it in New York. I think because the the story actually takes place there, and all mm-hmm. three of us met in New York, and mm-hmm. we've all lived in New York. Um, but I think the next step for us is going to be to make the album. So we have all the songs written now, mm-hmm. and we did start this as a band. So we right. have we have toured it as a band. So we're going to make the album. I think as the next sing- thing, just so that we cool. can like really flush out our I- ideas on mm-hmm. how we want the music itself to sound, mm-hmm. and then go from there. Whatever the next step is, I mean, right. you you two would know a lot more about that than we do. We well, I we're think kind it's a big question for most people because th- once you get to the point of thinking about production mm. then you're talking about producers and yeah know, if you're not producing it yourself you're getting on somebody's list or you know in somebody's assembly line of how they make shows so mm-hmm. how do you do that yeah <laughs> it's different for everybody everywhere yeah richard jennings <laughs> just gave us this um i guess it's the dramatist's guide is that what it's called uh-huh. just to look at it's just like a bunch of opportunities of you know where you can where you can maybe look at submitting to try and do things and mm-hmm. and it was like just mind blowing to see how many things you know how yeah. many options there are. It can be very intimidating. I think you you know the first step is creating it. You yeah. know it's right. almost like Field of Dreams. If you build it, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> from, especially if it's good, yeah. because you know once you've created it, and I've done this before, like you know with um, even with with this little Twilight Zone thing, which is just a small thing. Right. I wrote these stories. Not knowing where it was going to be produced, I just right. said, I'm just going to create it just for whatever. And all of a sudden, you get a phone call or a text message saying, right. hey, we need some material. Right. And you have no idea who's going to listen to it, 
and mm. who that person may be. And, you know, one thing can lead to another, can lead to another. That's right. a wonderful thing about yeah. theater. You're on a stage or you're directing something or you're acting in something, and all of a sudden one person connects with you and says, hey. Or just like when you went to that, you know, that place in um, Buffalo yeah. and saw that band. You're like, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to yeah. connect. And I'm sure they, those guys were like, wow, here's this chick who wants to connect with us. And all of a sudden you start collaborating and, you know, you move to a whole new trajectory. Yeah, I think you're right. The organic kind of movement of how it all flows together. I mm-hmm. think that's so far we've only relied on that. So we probably will <laughs> yeah. have no idea how it goes next, yeah, but yeah, it'll yeah. it'll show us. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, this has nothing to do with theater. But I'm always, I mean, with, with music, and, you know, you're in the, you know, you've done an album. I think we've only had one other person, Will Hammond, oh, right. who's produced an album. Mm-hmm. And Will talked about how the music industry has changed so much. It's all about streaming. It's not even about, um, you know, mm-hmm. album sales or record sales anymore. And there's an article this week about how algorithms and metadata are used to track the streaming services who puts out your stuff. And how that could be monetized or how, you know, if that metadata is corrupted and all that sort of stuff. It's just, I don't want, and I guess my question is, how do you get paid as a musician? I mean, do you, when you put out an album, I mean, do you? Yeah. I mean, personally, what I've been doing, um, because it is how I rely on making money is Mm -hmm. through music. So I've done, um, this last album, I funded it through a company called Pledge, um, who you you kind of, it puts you in touch with the people that want to get your music. And so I actually did a whole bunch of like special edition things. I did, my my album was called Wildflowers in the Graveyard, and it was all kind of about the renewal process and like life, death, rebirth, and nature and how things go through. So Mm. I didn't want to get like a bunch of plastic CDs. Like that was one of the things I wanted to really kind of carry that theme over. So I actually made friends with the cigar shop in town, and they have all these cigar boxes that they need to get rid of, and they're mm. perfect sizes for CDs. So sure. I would just collect, like, I ended up making 300 of them and making r- these really special edition um, box CDs. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think that's just kind of getting creative with music. You know, I think that's the way to do it is there's people that want to support music. Mm-hmm. And if you do something to show them that you want to do something a little different or you want to, like, make something special for them or mm-hmm. do shows in a different way, um, I feel like it's everything is available to be able to still do it. It's just we, we can't be too tied to how it used to be. Sure, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Do you do any streaming services? Like yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm on Spotify and all that. Oh, awesome, yeah. awesome. And uh, do you get like a monthly check or whatever? I mean, I'm, always, I'm fascinated by these things. Do you get something monthly from Spotify? Yeah, you get a little bit. I mean, it's really unless you're getting millions and millions of plays, you're mm-hmm. not going to get a lot. Oh, so okay. even if you get a million plays, you're not going to get a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's kind of crazy, you know, yeah, yeah. with the streaming stuff right now. I don't. I, that's not where I rely on right. making money. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to pay my rent at all. <laughs> I hear you. But it's an easy way for you to say you can check this out. Yeah, a lot of people like listening on. I mean, I like listening on Spotify, you know, mm-hmm. but I also like going to shows or buying people's merch or whatever right. if I can, you know. So Yeah. And, you know, doing a little bit of everything, like, you know, like having the physical thing plus streaming. Mm-hmm. you got to do a little bit of everything. I hear you. Yeah. And you own, do you, are you signed with a company? Do you own your music? I do, yeah. I have a couple labels that I work with um, on various albums, mm-hmm. but but I'm pretty, um, for the most part, I always keep all my rights. And Oh, good. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's important. Um, and I think we'll wrap it up a little bit because we're running close yeah. to, almost too close to the hour mark. Yeah. Um, 
I thought I had a question and then <laughs> it just slipped my mind. But um, there was one other thing I wanted that I didn't mention that I sure, wanted to because it sure. might be interesting to all your of listeners. Was, um, the other theme that we we played with a lot in the paper raincoat mm-hmm. is about like when you are pouring yourself into artistry, like when is it generous and when is it selfish? And that that's kind of the point. other theme that mm-hmm. goes through a lot is she, you know, our character, she starts pouring it in and she's repressed it so much mm-hmm. that then she completely starts neglecting her husband right. and her job right. and like oh all right. these other. That's right. yeah. So and, and kind of repeating the pattern that was uh, done to her when she was a kid. You know, she starts she starts doing the same thing and kind of making it all about her. Yeah. And that's all that's like that's become one of the major things that I think all three of us um, writing it have different experiences in life and different thoughts about how what that works. You know, Devin has a family, and so he's he has a different balance than what Alex has, which is a different balance than what I have. And, like, I, I, just as artists, I always like getting people's thoughts on that. Like, when is it created? It, it is a recurring theme, I think, mm-hmm. for a lot of pieces that I've seen, even – People are going to be sick of me talking about Foreman in Paris, but Richard Wright, that was a major theme where mm-hmm. his artistry sort of took over, you know, I guess his family or his, right. his, his actual identity, duties, yeah. his yeah. identity. And I think that's something that all artists or really anyone can identify with. You know, mm-hmm. you have something in your mind and, you know, you want to, you know, does, does, does your art serve a bunch of people or does it just serve yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, Susan Evans would say, you know, don't. You have to give something to the audience. You know, if you're doing something, if you mm-hmm. put something on stage, is it just self-indulgent mm-hmm. or are you serving the audience? It's not that you can go to the other extreme right. where it's just for the audience. It doesn't serve any purpose at all, yeah. but it's just, you know, you, we see it in the movies all the time, you know, like mm-hmm. just your summer blockbuster action flick, oh, this. which has yeah. nothing to do. It's like, well, this is what the people want, right? right? Yeah. But it has no real purpose. It, you know, it doesn't tell a real story. Yeah. yeah. So you have to balance it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and then and then sometimes maybe you're serving the audience, but you're not serving your family or your you know. Right. And there's like all of the, it's like how do you well, balance all of I love the poll in the play. I love that poll because if she's going to follow her muse, mm-hmm. how is that going to reverberate in the rest of her life? And it's great to see the way it sort of pinballs. You know, she sort of bounces for a bit through what am I going to do? And I think we, the audience, are put in the position of. We're kind of rooting for her to find herself, but you can see where this is going to come at a cost. Yeah. yeah. And is that smart? Is that safe? Yeah. And I do wonder, just listening to the story, is there a disconnect between daughter and father? Where, let's say, because all of us oh, have yeah, gone through it where definitely. we want to identify ourselves by separating ourselves mm-hmm. from our family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then there comes a point where it's like, hey, what is my real identity? Who, yeah. who, who well, really knew me? One of the cool things in the workshop process was – the father was a presence. You heard about him, mm-hmm. um, and you could see how he had an effect on her, but we didn't actually see very much of him, and then we got to see a little bit more of him. And the feedback we got every time was people wanted to see more about this relationship, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. I think you've succeeded. You don't need to give us more of that. What it tells us is the story as is is drawing people in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the point of the story is to focus on her and what she's dealing with mm-hmm. To know how important her father is to her is you succeeded. You, you've accomplished that. And by accomplishing that, you can continue to tell the story that you wanted to tell in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, quick question, because you're a musician, but there had to have been a playwright. I mean, who was the playwright among the three of you? Because that's a whole different hat to put on. 
we all we all wrote the story and the music together. So okay. um, Devin definitely has the most experience just in the theater world, but he's never written a, a play either. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but he, he definitely was more familiar with, like, how our songs used and, you know, he's acted and sure. stuff like that. Um, but we just, you know, we I think we put a lot of time into the development of the characters. Mm-hmm. And I would say the first, like, three years, we really, when we were writing, we really just ourselves into like what what would make these characters more real what are the dynamics that we're working with mm-hmm. we really mapped it all out and then once we had to actually write the entire script it felt like it came fairly easily and we were we were pretty much on the same page with all three of us mm-hmm. but we we trade you know we'll one person will write a few of the scenes and then another person will write a few like we just kind of mm-hmm. all work on all of it and it's always going through all of our hands and we kind of have have a rule that if one person doesn't like it, then it's not good enough. <laughs> ah, interesting. Well, that's yeah, good. which works really well at three, also. You yeah. Know? And the feedback has been good. Have you had any constructive criticism at all? Oh yeah. I mean, when we were doing these workshops, we got a lot mm-hmm. of you know it was it was so helpful. It was mm-hmm. just uh, we we definitely changed a lot even between yeah. the oh, two. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Norman yeah. had great feedback. I mean, we <laughs> we had we changed a lot even just from what you know what you were saying like as playing Leonard the father like your impression of it um, I think even since the second reading we've brought him in more during that last part and mm-hmm. really kind of fleshed it out a little bit more well that's fantastic well it sounds like it's growing and people will get to see it tonight and also tomorrow and yeah. I have a feeling it'll pop up on you know a streaming service so you know if, if you can miss it yeah. then they'll definitely see it that is the paper raincoat um, a concert performance tonight 8 p.m. And uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m., and that's once again at the Berkeley, I'm sorry, the Bay Area Children's Theater, Osher St- Studio in Berkeley, California. And it's a beautiful little space. Yeah. It yeah. really is, yeah. We just got to do dress yeah. And we'll have links so that people can, you know, click on and mm-hmm. uh, get all the information and all that stuff. The tricky thing with the space is you enter and then you go down this long hall. <laughs> yeah. Once you get down the hall, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you get you could get halfway and be like, wait a minute, am I lost? No, so you just aren't there just yet. Keep, keep going, going down the hall. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, let's get into shout-outs. Birthdays. Birthdays. Um, so uh, it's so funny. I always love watching you try to navigate people's names. I've got to deal with one now. Joma <laughs> Joma Sanz, uh-huh. uh, Filipino actor, yeah. real intense, wonderful guy. Um, and Max Chong, Chang. Max Chang, our, our, our stage manager. No, no, he was our fine. stage manager, and we stuck him in the show, and it was so great because I think he had this idea that he was just going to be behind the scenes, and I had one key scene where I just really needed him moving constantly and with a purpose. It was like, dude, yeah. no, I don't need you to just hand people stuff. I need you to be an active character in this scene. Yeah, yeah. And he was fantastic. Um, he was also the cop, remember? Oh, right. Yes, yes. yes. Had to make an arrest. Haley Sakamano. See, I'm getting these names today. Uh, we did God of Carnage many years ago, and ah. she played the other wife. And if you know the play, uh, the weird thing in the play is at one point she gets ill. She gets violently ill on stage, and every production has to figure out how to make that happen. And the insane oh. thing is a lot of times actresses say, well, maybe I can just do that. It's like, no, you're not going to vomit like 16 times. Yeah. We're not doing that. <laughs> And besides, if you can't actually do it on cue, it needs to make a huge mess. It's a huge part of this show. Um, and we figured out a trick, which I won't give away, but she was <laughs> she was so wonderful because she was such a goofy, 
hippie kind of kid in life, but she's supposed to be like this intense lawyer's wife on the play, and it was it was a wonderful mix. Uh, David Arrow, uh, I can't say Bay Area actor. His family's in the Bay, but he travels the country. Mm. Um, I got to do Buffaloed with him. Oh, nice. It was wonderful. And it was another one where it was a process. We did a workshop. Yeah. And he was Genie's somebody play, who brought yeah. great – yeah, Jeannie Baroga's play. He brought great questions, you know, just to figure out how does my character fit in this bigger story. Mm-hmm. And it helped, to, it helped to reshape the whole play. It was wonderful. Uh, Kirk Livingston is somebody I met through improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hallie Fisher is – it's this woman I know mostly nowadays is because she bumps into me at the alley every now and then. But she's also a big theater supporter. Um, Elizabeth Craven, North Bay Theater maker. Michael Scott Moore um, was a theater critic for the, I want to say for the East Bay Express, but it was one of the weekly papers. And uh, and then he wrote a novel, and then he went off, and he got picked up, and he um, got held hostage for like two years. <laughs> yeah. Literal hostage? Literal hostage. Oh, my. Oh, yeah, it was in the papers when they finally brought him back, but he's been back for a while. Um Anyway, I always thought of him as a guy who was writing about writing about theater, which was amazing to me. Uh, Sean Owens is somebody I went to college with, and he is now um, – he's a wonderful performer, but he's also an amazing writer, and he works with Killing My Lobster a lot. Um, and Anthony R. Miller, who is um, one of the producers of the Awesome Theater, which is kind of housed at Piano Fight. Mm-hmm. So um, I met him when they were doing – we were doing Everyday Alice – they were doing um, Alice and uh, Peter and Wendy. Both shows had a grown-up Peter Pan. Their Peter Pan was way yeah. off the rails crazy. <laughs> right. um, really cool, fun show. And, you know, it was very much um, tailored for piano fights. So you can have a beer, and you can be a raucous crowd, and mm-hmm. they're aiming for that. And the show just served that. Where we were, we were a very polite little everyday Alice polite theater show, and then there'd be a quick intermission, and bam, you'd go into the world of, Peter almost in recovery, but he's got a bottle in his hand. He's, <laughs> yeah. crazy. So those are the birthday folks I had. All right. Um, and I've got a couple. You've already mentioned Max Chang. Also, um, there's a young actress. I've never uh, worked with her, but uh, a couple of other folks have. Zoe Nell Hodge. Do you know her? Mm-mm. Ever heard the name? Okay. Mm-mm. Black actress. Uh, she's in the Bay Area. Uh, her birthday's on Monday, June the 3rd. Also, uh, June the 4th. A lady I've w- acted with uh, at the um, the DMT, the Douglas Morrison Theater, Janice Fuller Leone. Her birthday's on the fourth. On the sixth, uh, Sandra Weingard. Uh, she is an actress. I've worked with her in um, EastEnders' um, 100 Years of Sex Acts. Uh, she, oh. She's a fantastic actress who got married, had a kid, and I hope she'll get back on stage because she was a wonderful presence. Also on June the sixth, Mark Denberg Hines. He, I believe, was in uh, Wonder of the World, which was directed by Deb Carragher. Ah. That was an EastEnders thing, and I remember him very much. And on Friday, Krista Samboy, uh, she is an actress. I've worked with her in doing 110 in the Shade. And not only was she on stage, but her children. She had, like, two daughters uh-huh. who were also on stage with her. So it's oh. wonderful to have a family on stage mm-hmm. sharing the theater experience. And um, speaking of family, uh, they'll be... I think n- maybe not our next guest, but maybe the guest after next. So I'm acting with um, Sheila Viramontes. Mm-hmm. She and her sister have shows that are opening this week. And huh. I've never known that phenomenon uh, before. Yeah, uh, family. Uh, 
two different shows. Uh-huh. These are sisters. I think they're maybe two years apart. Uh-huh. But uh, one is opening, uh, I think, tonight. Well, we're opening tonight. And uh, she's opening uh, tonight. I have to figure out what show she's doing. But it's wonderful when I hear about family members who are also in the theater. Mm -hmm. So those are the birthdays I have. Shows? Uh, Shows. um, I'm going to pump the uh, playground. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're doing, I don't know what they call this part of the festival, I guess is what they call it. So it's a similar development process um, that has now resulted in a fully realized script. And they are producing it. It's costumes and lights and sets and everything. And uh, there are two shows I want to mention. Uh, Anna Considers Mars by Ruben Grijalva, who we've had on the show. Cool, yeah. Um, and he's an amazing writer. I, it's so funny. I always say amazing young writer. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Most of the world is younger than me anymore. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, he's he's wonderful, clever. Um, but, you know, he can deal with some complex issues and a real with a real light touch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going, and it's in rep with another show. So they're running through, I think, June 16th. Nice. Um, at the uh, Potrero Stage, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So. There are a couple of shows closing today. Bakersfield Mist, Off-Broadway oh, West. that was quick. Which was a TBA, it's a TBA recommended show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll be extended or not, but um, they um, they closed tonight. Um, also, Sister Act is closing, Theater Rhino. Mm-hmm. I had Joyce Huh, who is oh, right. uh, in the show, and yeah. also AJ. I think we both know AJ uh, Mitchell, mm-hmm. who is... Um, directing and also does the choreography for that sister act um also the victorian ladies detective collective central works theater uh, central works yeah they extended uh, uh, i think so yeah so uh, alan coin is in that and gary graves is directing that mm-hmm. and of course i will push women on the verge of a nervous breakdown we open Yay! tonight <laughs> we have a uh, melvin badiola he's in it as well as deb carriger and uh, myself and some really really tremendous actors and i'm going to try to get them on the show because, uh, as a matter of fact, on Monday, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're available Monday, Norman. I'm just bringing you up this mm-hmm. up now. But uh, we have a fantastic singer uh, who is in the show, uh, Keaton, and uh, he uh, he wants to do the A on the third Monday. Uh, so if you're available, great. If not, that's fine. But mm-hmm. uh, that's something that's going to happen. Uh, but I'll in any case, <laughs> that will uh, we end uh, June the 22nd. So there's plenty of time to see that. And last but certainly not least, we want you all to come out to see the Paper Raincoat, which is uh, playing once again at the Bay Area Children's Theater, OSHA Studios in Berkeley. Uh, It opens uh, tonight and it closes tomorrow, so only two days, but it's going to be a fantastic experience. Um, A new musical by Devin Copley, Alex Wong, and of course, Amber Rubarth. Thank you. Yay. Yay. Amber, did you have a good time? Oh, my gosh. Such a good time. This was fascinating. (laughs) Thank you. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, here is my blurb. You can find the A on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. Really, any app that you use to listen to your podcast, you can uh, listen to us. Just search for the A. You'll find us. If you're an old stogie and you listen to your podcast on a laptop or a desktop, hey. <laughs> not a lot of folks do. A lot of young folks are like, a laptop, what do I need that for? In any case, uh, you can uh, go on iTunes. Go on iTunes, click on store. You're not going to buy anything. Go to the upper right-hand side and search for the yay. You will find us. If you're an Android user, you can go on SoundCloud.com or you can just download the, sound, download the SoundCloud app and you'll find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, (laughs) Instagram. 
And Norman is taking a picture right now of uh, Amber. Uh, you can find me at Reg oh, Space geez. Clay. I keep you moving. Oh, that's, that's okay. I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Amber, uh, are you on social media? Are you on yeah. Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff? Um, for Paper Raincoat, we're at at the Paper Raincoat, I think. Okay. Um, and then mine is at Amber Rubarth. Okay. But you can find all of us on. Mm-hmm. I think it's at the paper raincoat. At the paper raincoat, okay. Like we'll that, figure yeah. it out. If you, if you type it in, you can yeah. find it. <coughs> Ooh, bless you. Now, is that is that Twitter, Snapchat, Amber? Um, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Okay. I think we're on those three. Like it should be very, very easy. I don't Snapchat. I don't know how to use that <laughs> one. But <laughs> Now, are you a session musician? Can people hire to use you, or are you busy doing your own projects or whatever? Uh, yeah, both. I do some d- some stuff, sessions for other people, and I also do a lot of my own stuff. And right on. Yeah. All right. So if you're looking for you know a session musician or if you just want to find out what Amber's doing, hit her up. And we've we got to find, find a better, better sign-off. Off. And we <laughs> are out. <laughs> <laughs>